Praise and Worship is a community of people in Branson, Missouri, who are gathering, growing, being encouraged, and sharing with others the love and hope of Jesus. Learn more online at branson.church. I just, you need to know that I'm not a very religious person. You need to know this. And you're like, well, like, well this ought to be silly then. Right, but what I want, when I say that is, is religion to me is like, a, is like a dirty word. I don't like it. Because religion is, the way I'm defining it here, I know religion is like, well, that's a belief in God. And I get that, and that's fine. That's a very generic term. But I found in America, in Missouri, in the Ozarks, that religion tends to be this thing that you do or that someone would do to make God happy, right? And I'm not a fan, not not interested in it at all. And it creates problems in my profession, as you might expect, because, because, you know, I I was at a wedding one time and they said, and one of the fellows from the family came up to me and they said, is this going to be like a religious service? And I was like, oh, I hope not. I said, I'm just going to talk about Jesus. And he looked at me, he's like, but isn't that religious? And I said, absolutely not. Because if, if religion is what people are expecting, if that's expectations, then they're going to be very disappointed when I'm doing it because the thing is, is I, I, we need to get rid of all of that stuff. We have to keep working to get rid of it. Now, to be sure, religion is important and there, is, there are aspects of it that are wonderful. Like, for example, I grew up in a very religious church. And guess, guess who was there? Jesus. And he saved me. And he's still in that church working to save those people who, if you go there now, they're not real friendly. <laughs> Don't expect a warm welcome at the door. When we went there, um, this is like my childhood church. We walk in the door, and the very first thing, it was like, it was like the bouncer coming to the door. He's like, where, did you, where are you from? I'm like, well, you know, we're from Missouri. And they're like, well, why are you here? <laughs> and it's just like, what? And then the whole thing was like, you know, whether, anyway, this is, uh, I'm going to get sidetracked. But the point is this. Jesus, guys, I know that sounds, you're like, that sounds like Allie would say, that's really elementary, Dad. That's what she would say to me. And I'm like, yes, dear Watson, right? It's the most important thing. He is the most important thing. And what is so important is that he will come at us and be with us in times that we would not expect. I would argue he's there the most at the times we would not expect. I want you to think, I know you're like, Mark, this is a sermon. It's like a time of joy, joy, at least it's supposed to be. For some, it's not. But it's supposed to be a time of joy. It's supposed to be a time of focusing on Jesus and everything. But I want you to think of your darkest moments. And I'm not talking about like things that happen to you, but things that you do. Darkest moments. I want you to know that Jesus is there. That's when he's working the most to pull you out of the darkest moments, to pull you out of the pit. We're going to see this because the thing that what it boils down to is who do we think Jesus is? It's interesting that we just read in Mark chapter one, and we're going to see this verse here in a moment in detail, that the demons knew who he was. What was the first thing the demon said? I know who you are. And I think that if we really were to face Jesus head on, that what would happen is it would be very uncomfortable because our religious categories that are not necessarily, some, you know, but they're not necessarily found in the Bible, which is very interesting and should draw our attention very quickly, are going to be offended, are going to be confronted. I want you to take a look at Mark chapter 1, verses 21 and 22. 
and you'll see the little title there, Lunatic, Liar, or Lord. Um, C.S. Lewis very famously when he was writing, well, he was actually delivering these messages on the radio uh, back in the 1940s and 50s. Um, and I forget the exact date, so you'll have to look that up for me. But the point is, is he did this thing, and it all got collected into this thing called mere Christianity. And in, in chapter three of the second book, he, he's basically saying, you know, if you, if, there are some people who say that Jesus is a good teacher. He goes, let's dismiss that nonsense right away. You know, and I always love to say, well, which of his teachings do you find good, right? And, you know, Jesus himself said to people, why do you call me good? Because, see, here's the thing. Jesus says, among other things, I am God. If you don't believe me, check out John chapter 8 for the most explicit statement of that. Um, He says, among other things, your sins are forgiven. He says, among other things, um, it is finished. Like, who is this guy? He has got to be some kind of wackamamie freak, right? I mean, that's, I mean, lunatic, right? That's where, because if he, if all those things are, are not true, then that means he is very deluded. He is, he's crazy beyond belief. Or he's just a flat out liar. You know, some people say, well, the reason I don't like religion is that it's just about the money, right? That's what it is. And you know, well, that didn't work out too well for Jesus because he got killed on a cross, right? But the idea is, is people sometimes think religion is just a source of control and, and, and you know, getting money from people and all the things that go along with that. And you could make that claim that, you know, well, maybe he's just a liar. He's just trying to pull one over on everybody. But you can't call him a good teacher. Take a look at these words. Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as teachers of the law. There is a huge difference between teachers of the law, which is the scribes, the Pharisees, and they, their, their whole teaching, their whole focus, it might sound familiar, was you need to do these things. Here are some things, you need to do them. Does that sound like anything you've ever heard in a church, right? I mean, like, yeah, there are some things, you need to do them. It, you know, and then we can all talk about, well, there are, you know, like Catholic things and Protestant things and Baptist things and Lutheran things and Methodist things. And you get all the different things, and everyone argues about the things. And Jesus comes along and says, it's not about the things. And everybody's like, whoa, this, isn't, this is different. This is different. Take a look at verses 23 and 24. Now, you need to know that this is MLV. That's Mark's literal version. This is my translation because I really want us to capture the original language here to see it. First of all, Mark, there he is with Euthus again, immediately. He just, everything is immediately, immediately, immediately because he's wanting us to see. He's wanting us to get excited, to receive his excitement about this happened, then this happened, then this happened because he wants us to see who Jesus is because they didn't. They didn't see who he was. Immediately, a man in their synagogue who was within the grip of an unclean spirit. Now, notice NIV went with evil. The word simply doesn't mean evil. It's an unclean spirit, which I guess you could then assume means evil, but that it doesn't. It's unclean, and I think that's key because we're talking about uncleanliness, purity. What, what does it mean? And there was a man within the grip of an unclean spirit screaming. So imagine... You're there, you're just trying to go to a church service. You know, you're just trying to have a nice time. You're just wanting it to be over fast with a preacher shut up. You know, all these kinds of things. And then somebody stands up and just starts screaming, why are you messing with us, Jesus of Nazareth? And just so you know, that is literally the Greek. Why are you, it's what to us and you to, or what to, what to us and you to us, or however it says, it's just this, this colloquialism, like why are you messing around? What are you here for? Have you come to destroy us? 
I know who you are, the Holy One of God. There it is, a demon pronouncing the gospel, pronouncing the good news from the mouths of an unclean spirit. Hear these words and let them just slap you because you're like, that can't be right. That's not very religious. Mm Mm-hmm, exactly. So Jesus shows up and begins, begins proclaiming the good news, and the first thing that happens is a demon freaks out and says, I know who you are. Take a look at the next couple verses. I love it. Jesus just shut him down. It just absolutely is. You just shut him down, saying, and it's the same word they would say to put the thing on the ox's face, right? Muzzle it. Just muzzle it, pal, and come out of him. And after convulsing him and screaming with a loud voice, the unclean spirit came out of him. Now, my question to you guys, and it's very much in line with what happened to them, and all of them were utterly staggered, beginning to argue among themselves, what is this? What is this all about? See, guys, and this is the part where you, you, anyone who knows me, I'm not a very good fire and brimstone preacher. You know, if you want to come and you see him, I'm just not that guy. But this is one of those times when it's kind of like the Bible is screaming it. What have you come to Jesus for? Because we're going to, that's what these, these questions are all about. What, what were they there for? Because there's different categories. There's some people that come to Jesus to feel better about life. Eh, that's probably not going to work out. There's some people that come to Jesus to be blessed. I mean, there's going to be a lot of blessing, but not a lot of blessing. And then there's, and then there's, then there's some people that come to Jesus because they're dead and they need to, lo- they need to live again. That's the kind that, that's what the Gospel of Mark is, is trying to do for us. He's saying, look, if you're really messed up, if you're destroyed, if you don't have very good religion, that's who Jesus is here for. And this is just, he's just going to amp this up with every turn of the page in this Gospel. Take a look at verses 40 to 41. Because if, if you were a person who was at the synagogue, you would have been offended by that. But now your, your offense meter is just going to all the way red line and probably break the little meter. He says, it says, a man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees. So the, remember what they said, the word was spreading. Jesus was doing stuff. This wasn't religion anymore. This was people being healed. This was people being saved. This was people coming, you know, just coming out of the woodwork of, of having hope all of a sudden. And, and he says, if you are willing, you can make me clean. This man had hope. He didn't know how it worked. He didn't know anything about Jesus. He just had heard that he was healing people, casting out evil spirits, unclean spirits. And here, and look at what this, and this is, this, these green words, guys, write them on your heart. This is how Jesus looks at you. It's not about religion. It's not about how good you are. It's not about where you come from. It's not about any of those things. It's about his heart, and he is filled. And the word there is deeply. It's deep compassion. He's filled with deep compassion for you, for your situation that no one understands. I don't understand it. The people next to you don't understand it, but he understands it. He's there with you in it. The worst moments, he is right there trying to put his arms around you. And sometimes we're kind of like, eh, you know, we do that. I know we do that. He is filled with compassion and he reached out his hand. Now guys, that's a hyperlink. All through the Old Testament, Yahweh's like, dude, I'm gonna stretch out my arm. And when that happens, it ain't gonna be good. That, the, the Lord is gonna stretch out his arm. And that is this sign of he is coming 
to town. So here in this moment, Yahweh, who has come as a preacher man, the Lord God Almighty, the Most High, reaches out his hand. He stretches out his arm because he is filled with compassion. This is why I'm not a good fire and brimstone guy. Because this is Jesus. This is what he does. He's preaching. He's, excuse me, he's reaching. Because preaching, reaching, it works together. Reaching out his hand and he touched him. Which was against the law. Absolutely against the religious law. You can't touch a man with a skin disease. But Jesus, haven't you read the Bible? Yeah, he's the guy that wrote it. And he touched him. Why? Why did God Almighty, who came as a preacher man, break his own law? We should be offended by that, one way or the other. And this gets to our expectations. If you are expecting (laughs) Jesus to fit in a box, and if you are arguing with people over doctrine, and if you catch, you find yourself, and I'm t- that, was a, that was a fire and brimstone to me, and if you, if you ever find yourself disagreeing with people about the finer points of whatever it is, then just come back here and let Jesus reach out his hand and touch you. Break all the laws, defy all the categories, do whatever it takes to save the one who is in trouble, because that's Jesus. And it, it gets messy and smelly and ugly and, 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 and everything else. Take a look at verse 41 and 42. Hear the words of Jesus. They're for you. I am willing. So when you cry out to Jesus and you don't think he's willing, you need to hear these words. I am willing. And when you feel like he will not listen to you, keep crying it out because he is. And the only reason we don't feel him, we don't think that he's there, is because of the, our own dis- our, our problems, our brokenness, and all those things. He will just be patient. I always, you know, it's like Pastor Dar used to say, give me patience and give it to me right now, right? Well, that's why I, we struggle with that. But just be still and know that he is God. He will not depart from you. He will not forsake you. He will not leave you. That is why Jesus went to the cross, because he was willing. He was right there in the Garden of Gethsemane, and and everything was coming down. The devil himself was wrapping around his throat, and, and Jesus was like, Lord, is there any other way? Yet not my will, your will. He was willing to go to the cross to save us. And that is not some kind of spiritual mumbo-jumbo pie in the sky. It's here. It's now. He is here. He is now. Believe it and receive his words when he said to that man who had a bad disease, be clean. Immediately, the leprosy left him and he was cured. Boom. And then Jesus does exactly what we'd all expect. He breaks out in like a hymn sing. They're going to do some happy clappy. They're going to do something. Nope. Because Jesus doesn't fit our categories. Because he's God Almighty. And so his response is to warn him sternly. Now wait a minute, he says. Immediately Jesus threw him out. What? He healed the guy and then threw him out? Because, look what's going on. Look what he says. See to it that you say nothing to nobody. But go away. Show yourself to the priest. And concerning your cleansing as a witness to them, do what Moses commanded. Jesus, who just broke Moses' law, is now saying, no, go do the law. What? Go do the religious stuff. You're like, Mark, that didn't go well for you, did it? No, it didn't. I wanted to skip this first. I wanted to delete it. I wanted to pretend it wasn't there. That's why we need to study it all the more. Because here's what's going on. 
We learned this last week as we were preparing for the Gospel of Mark. It has two big parts. One part is who is Jesus? And then the, part, and the answer to that is he's the Messiah. Spoiler alert, Mark already told us in the first verse, right? Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah. But then the second part is how would he become the Messiah? And see, everybody, this is where the religion comes back in. It's where our expectations come back in. You know, and this is where we talk about bliss, right? In America, we're not worried about the Roman Empire. We're worried about our empire, you know, and, we, and, and, and how well we're doing with things and how good is our health. And, and so we're worried about all these temporal, earthly things, and that's fine. We just got done saying, take them to Jesus. Keep taking them to Jesus. But be honest about them. And let him work on your heart as I, he needs to do mine. But here's the thing. Jesus wanted to make sure I'm not here to heal leprosy. Not here to heal leprosy. I'm going to heal a whole bunch of lepers along the way, but that's not the, that's not the mission. Because this man, cleansed of his skin disease, and now in a certain number of years, will still die. Whether or not you have a lot of money, you're still going to die. Friday, we were loading a hearse with a loved one of mine and of many other people, and we were loading it in there, and I was standing there thinking, you know what, you know what, nothing is here, there is nothing here, there's this piece of crap car, and there is a box with a dead body in it, and people are doing it, and this, this is what the end of the world is without Jesus. He is not here, he is not here to heal us from a few diseases, although he'll do that along the way. I've seen it myself. I've seen miracle healings myself, and we'll see more of them. But there will be the rest of us who will be sitting there going, why didn't he heal my disease? We'll, we're going to see more lepers. Who are, there's there's going to be some who it didn't work out for them. And, and as we go through this whole story, all of that's going to happen. As you go through your story, there's going to be times when you're like, why doesn't he help me with my finances? Why doesn't he help me with my job situation? Why doesn't he help me with my relationships? Jesus threw him out. Guys, I wanted to skip the verse. But Lord God Almighty came as a preacher man, and then look at what he says. Look at what he says. So there's a hyperlink on the screen. This time it's not back to the Old Testament. It's to the end of the Gospel of Mark, to verse 8 of chapter 16. The two women go to the, go to the tomb. And the angel is there, and he says, Jesus is risen, just as he said, now you go and tell his disciples. And it says the women ran out of there, totally freaked out, scared. That's the, that's the proper translation. Totally freaked out, scared, and they said nothing to nobody. It's, it's, a, it's a colloquialism that just, that's exactly what it means. It's double negative on purpose. Nothing to nobody. And Jesus here is telling this man, I don't want you to go tell everyone about how you got healed of leprosy. I don't want you to do that. That's not what this is about. I want you to go witness to them about God Almighty on the, on the earth. Because, yes, see, this is the thing. This is the great conundrum of religion. Why did Jesus tell him to go do the religious stuff? Because he loves everyone. And he honors those people's faith who believe it. And he wants to, to, to show that no matter what, God will God will continue to work in the lives of all people no matter where they're from, no matter what their situation is, even those religious people that Mark doesn't really appreciate all the time and needs to learn to. Concerning your cleansing, as a witness to them, do what Moses commanded. There are so many times in our lives when we will be faced with a choice, with a situation, 
with a circumstance, a relationship. You fill in the blanks. You know them. They're there. And we're going to have to, we're going to say, well, I'm free in the gospel. I, I can do whatever I want. Well, of course you can. And what did Jesus say? So love your neighbor. You're set free to love. And sometimes love means doing what we don't want to do, what doesn't make us feel comfortable, what we're not even required to do, but we're called to do as a witness to them, to tell the story of Jesus, to go and preach the gospel wherever you go and use words only if necessary, right? That's the old quote from St. Francis or somebody. And so whoever did it, the point is this, we can love and we can share Jesus without ever saying a word, but by honoring the things that people find to be important. So, in your life, this week, this week, I want you to remember two things. He is willing, and yet, he is very serious about us loving those in our lives and sacrificing ourselves for them. Later on, he's going to talk to us about picking up our own crosses. Later on, he's going to confront all of our assumptions about what that means. And I want you to remember back to this. Hey, look, just this is not about you winning the lottery, right? That's what that guy felt. I, I got everything I ever wanted. I'm healed of my disease. Go do what Moses commanded as a witness to them. Please pray with me. Father, we boldly pray to you that you would help open our hearts and our minds to understand this passage to understand all of our categories, to step back and think about what is truly important in our lives and to analyze where we are at in our particular situations where we have to make choices about how to love, about how to care for those around us, to honor what they believe and what they feel is important. Maybe there are people in our lives, Lord, who are of a different political persuasion and we think they're out to lunch. Help us love them. Maybe there are people who we work with who are, they feel like the jerk at work all the time. Help us love them. Maybe there are people in our family that just don't get it. Help us love them. Maybe there are people who just don't do everything right the way we think it ought to be done. Help us love them. And when we fail, because we will, Remind us of how you are filled with compassion and that you stretched out your arm and you touched that man just as you do for us. And the, and the power of the good news flows into our hearts once again, Lord. We beg that you would do this so that we would be restored and empowered to go with you again. And we ask this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.